0: Our scripture this morning is taken from Matthew 13, verse 24 to 46, and it's on page 818 in your chair Bibles. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat And went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like the leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with, with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Janice. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask this morning you would continue to speak. And uh, Lord, open our hearts to grow us more and more. We pray like you, Jesus. Amen. Last week, we celebrated Rowan's fifth birthday. It was very exciting, you can imagine, for a, for a five-year-old. There was balloons, there was cake, there was presents. Uh, there was family, Sarah's family came from, from Winnipeg, so it was, it was all very, very, very exciting. Um, the first thing he did when he woke up that morning was uh, wanted to make several happy birthday banners, which would then be set up all around the kitchen. And so, he, so we had like all that sort of row in height, several happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Oh, it, was, it was great. And uh, as soon as the party was over, he was taking them all down. I was like, it's over, no, we're done. Um, but they had to go all over the place. He was very excited. Um, and he knew Sarah's family was coming, um, but he was living, he's living in anticipation of the party to come, right? He was living in, uh, in great hope of what would come. Uh, now, technically, if you think about it, he, he's five. He was already five. Five had come at about three in the morning, which is somewhere in there when he was born. Three-fifteen or so, he was five. Um, he was already five, but in another way, the fullness of his birthday hadn't really arrived, Right? Like five had come, but five wasn't quite here in its fullness until what? Till the cake and the candles and the blowing them out and the presents and everybody arrived, till so the party started. That was when uh, it really marked the day, right? So he was already five, um, but in some sense, not yet five. The celebration of fiveness had not quite come, right? He yeah. was in between. That's how the, the New Testament. Describes the kingdom of God as already, but not yet here in its fullness. So Jesus will talk about uh, in Him the kingdom's already arrived. Right? He's the King. The King is the kingdom's here. Kingdom of God has come. Matthew twelve twenty eight. Jesus says the kingdom is upon you, and so He's Jesus is demonstrating all through His ministry what the, the rule and reign of God looks like. Right through His mighty words and his mighty deeds and, and healing and wholeness and life as he kind of goes about showing this is what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew often puts it, this is what it looks like when God shows up. And at the cross, this is sort of the key moment, right, where we can say Jesus is Lord. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. And with his resurrection, uh, God's new creation world has begun. This is the kingdom has come. It's here. And yet it's not here in its fullness. And all through the New Testament, you get this sense, the sense of longing for Christ to return, right? Jesus' last words in Revelation are, I am coming soon. And John's response uh, is really the heart cry of all who love Jesus, right? Is, amen, come Lord Jesus, says John. And so uh, Israel always believed that when Yahweh returned to them, that would be kind of The end? Like, this, that'd be the end of the world, right? He shows up, sets things to right, nations come into Jerusalem, awesome, and that's it. New creation party, woo, it's all good to go. (laughs) But God's plan is is different because he's come and he's returned, but now it's like the end has been sort of started, but not yet completed, and so we're in this in-between stretch. We talk about being between the two advents of Jesus. Jesus has come, but we're waiting for Jesus to come again. And the church uh, is called to live out uh, the reality of the kingdom of God in that in-between time. And one of, those, one of the ways we do that is by living missionally, by sharing the good news of what Jesus has done, both in our words and in how we live, right? It's meant to, meant to change us, it's meant to be noticeably different in how we live our lives versus how people who have not encountered Jesus or encountered the kingdom of God uh, how how their lives are lived and, and sort of the priorities we have in that sort of thing. At least it's supposed to be anyway. That's sort of the idea. Um, so Jesus has come, God has come, but we're also awaiting his return. The kingdom is here, the kingdom's come, but the kingdom's not yet here in its fullness. And like Rowan last Saturday, he was, he was five and yet not yet fully five in a sense. Uh, the cross is the inauguration of the kingdom. It's the announcement that the kingdom's come. But Jesus' return marks the final consummation of the kingdom. And now all of the fullness of the kingdom is coming, coming true. This is what's happening when we pray the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. And I think Dave is the second slide, the Lord's Prayer slide again. Okay, so here's the Lord's Prayer. We talked about this last week. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That was what we talked about last Sunday. And, and now today we're doing your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, So, kind of, we're we're combining your kingdom come petition and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sort of three petitions on loving God, right? And then once you kind of get, um, once we reorient ourselves to live according to God's vision and purposes for the world, that's when we can start to think about our relationships with others, right? So, it starts with God and then becomes about how do we love other people. And we talked last week, too, about how the Lord's Prayer is structured around the Great Commandment, Right? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself, right? So you kind of get your your relation with God figured and live into that and allow him to shape you and transform you by his spirit and then allow that to shape how you interact with other people and and rely on him for day-to-day stuff like daily bread, forgiveness, temptation, etc. So your kingdom come, your will be done. This is This is what we're talking about this morning and this is what we are praying into when we pray for the kingdom to come is for God's rule and reign to be more and more at work and alive in our hearts and in our families and in our churches and in, in the world. Um, Eric Raymond in, in an article for Gospel Coalition, he wrote about this, the kingdom come uh, this, this petition in this prayer. He wrote this really well. I just want to read this little paragraph to you. He says, when we pray your kingdom come there's a real sense of yearning, right? Like yearning for something to happen, but also loyalty, like our loyalty to the king, right? We're anticipating the coming kingdom. We're on board with God's agenda and that we love the king himself. Those who love the king eagerly yearn for his kingdom, which makes sense. And through our prayers, it's as if the Holy Spirit lifts our chins above our earthly horizon to see the fleet of God's coming kingdom advancing on the open sea. And we cry, make haste, come, O king and kingdom. Which is so great. So the kingdom is the, it's the arrival of God's good rule and reign, his, his healing love and his justice and his mercy. That's what we're praying for. Now, uh, notice the direction, right? So your kingdom, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> Whisk us away forever to be with you as disembodied spirits. Uh, no, no, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth, right? on earth, as it is in heaven. Um, heaven's, heaven's doing not bad. Uh, but, but this is where this is where we need God's kingdom to come and, and be at work, right? So we're praying for God's uh, presence and His holiness and His agenda and His justice to come and bear on this earth, on this broken, sinful. Creation and us and all the mess we make of things, right? And, but it's amazing how often uh, we'll pray this or think about this, and we don't actually think about that, right? We often think of of God as sort of um, probably kind of given up on us primarily, and He's just going to kind of evacuate whoever He can, right? Um, so, Your kingdom come, where? Come on Earth, of course, because if you know if you know Genesis one and two. Uh, we know that God's creation is is good, very good, right? It's, it's fundamentally good, and that hasn't changed. Um, but also, it's it's His temple. Uh, it's it's Genesis one and two is sort of set up like a temple narrative where God is setting up uh, His His space. So here, yeah. So here, go back to uh, where are we? Go back a little bit, Dave. So here's how we often think about heaven, right? Two separate spheres of reality. And, and we often think of earth as the physical world, and then heaven is sort of the spiritual world. And then, what's the next slide, Dave? Yeah, and so then we often think about it like this. is Jesus sort of, uh, the earth is terrible, and we made a big mess of it, and it's really bad. And, and our physical bodies are bad, is how we often think of it. And then heaven is sort of the spiritual world, and somehow that's really good. And Jesus kind of gets us out, right? This is And often we kind of believe this. This is sort of how we often come at things. Um, but if you go to the next slide, Dave. Yeah, so, but <laughs> the problem is when you read the Bible, that's actually not true. That's actually, at best, is a distortion of the truth. So what you find when you, when you, when you actually read the Bible uh, is Genesis 1 and 2 is God's space and our space uh, are overlapping. God wants to make his dwelling with us, and so heaven and earth are sort of in, in harmony together. You can probably leave it on there, Dave, I think, for, for the moment, um, like I said, when God's describing his, his creation, it's like, a, it's like he's setting up a temple project. And I won't go through all of the ways that's true. But when you, when you set up a temple, you set up sort of the, the spaces in the temple, then you fill them. And so you get that kind of pattern in Genesis 1. But at the end, when you're done building your temple, you set up uh, the image of the God in the temple. And so you get your, like, wood or stone idol, and you, like, set him up, right? And he represents the God. To the people, and the people respond to the idol, and it's meant to kind of direct the worship up to the to the deity, right? And they would do so, all sorts of things to kind of animate your idol, like you know, push this lever, and his arm moves, and like that freaks people out, right? Like, this is like before animatronics, or like light a little fire inside. Now it looks like his eyes are glowing. it was very very exciting. Your idol's very cool, right? That sort of thing. Um, but what happens in Genesis, right? So God creates this space. And it's beautiful and good. And he fills it with all kinds of stuff. And then what's the, what's the image at the end that he makes? It's not a trick question. It's, it's humanity. It's us, right? It's us. So he doesn't make a, a stone or wooden idol. He actually creates us, humanity. This is a lot to say. Genesis is, is a lot about who God is and who we are. And it says you, tells you fundamental things about being an image bearer. And so we're called to image forth God's character into the world. And if so, if God is loving and compassionate and good, what's that mean we are supposed to live like? We're supposed to be loving and compassionate and good, right? Exactly. So that's how it's, that's how it's made to work. And this is sort of our innate calling. And then God calls us to be fruitful and multiply, right? Which is when we had our third child, someone said to me, well done, you're fulfilling Genesis 1. Brilliant. Be fruitful and multiply. like, yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I know that's kind of the point, but uh, but the idea is gr- grow, right? Make families and and neighborhoods and cultures, and let's continue the project going. And so the idea, and then uh, to basically tend the garden, keep the garden. Um, and so it, the idea is there's sort of this raw potential built into creation that God wants to partner with humanity to bring forward into its it's fullness and it's flourishing. That's Genesis 1 and 2. And so we're called to be kind of partners in this cultural project, right? So, but God's space and human space are are connected and God wants to dwell with people. That's why, right, you get the passage of God walking in the cool of the day, right? And he meets up with Adam and Eve. Good times. But God gives us the, the honor and the dignity to have free will, right? Because if he didn't, we wouldn't actually love him. We'd just be Puppets, essentially, robots, right? To, to make someone love you isn't to love them. They won't actually love you if you just make them love you, right? And so he gives us free will to choose or not to live in sync with his plans for us, right? And this is what happens in Genesis 3. I don't know if I have a slide for this. Yeah, there you go. So sin, sin severs our relationship with God, but it's not as though God's plans for the earth are totally abandoned. And so you have sort of overlap where you see God at work in his world, right? He's still present and involved. Um, but there's also this disconnect. It's not as it's meant to be. It's not as it should be. And, and our, what we've done is rebelled against God by choosing uh, to define good and evil for ourselves. And, so, and we see this all the time, right? You'll see stuff in our world that is, in God's eyes, would be blatantly evil, and yet people celebrate it, right? I, I don't need to, probably don't need to give examples. Maybe I... Maybe I should. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You don't have to look very far to think of here's things that aren't good, even in my own life. Like, here's here's things in my heart that I can justify to be really proud about (laughs) when I shouldn't be. Like, it's just obviously wrong. But I can talk myself into thinking how I'm being is good, right? And so because we decide not to follow the God who gives life, you're essentially choosing death, right? And so heaven and earth aren't in harmony. Um, There's a spiritual dimension that's still there. But it's, it's, we're severed from God, and, and so there's this brokenness. But God is, so, God is so faithful, right? The rest of the Bible, this is like page three of the Bible, right? The rest of the Bible is about God not giving up on his creation, right? And his whole desire is to, to bring his space and our space back together so he can dwell with us. And that's basically the rest of the biblical story is God working through one family, and that family grows into a nation. And so then he's working through the nation. Because remember, why does he work through Israel? What's the whole point? Because he, at Genesis 1 and 2, he set up at the beginning, he wants to work with humanity to bring his purposes to completion. It's super inefficient, right? We're the worst to work with. We're like the worst work partner you could ever have. We show up late we disobey the rules all the time, we're just terrible, right? And that's basically most of the Old Testament is about like, man, we drop the ball all the time. And God is faithfully, faithfully pursuing us because he loves to work with us. He like really, really wants, like imagine you had someone like like a child or one of your kids, and they just like blatantly disobey you, but you are so committed to loving them, to try and try and work with them to accomplish the thing, whatever the thing is, right? This is God's heart. Is he just he really wants to work with us to bring about his purposes. And he does that ultimately. What's the what's the most intense way he can actually work with us is to come and become us, right? And this is who Jesus is, right? Jesus is God himself come made flesh, made human. And the whole idea is he's going to undo and mend all the brokenness and sin and evil in the world and bring us back into relationship with God. So I think, go to the next slide, Dave. Oh, it's a big question mark. It was meant to be a big cross, but it clearly did not convert well. Um, so if you imagine a cross in the middle, uh, rather than Jesus sort of evacuating everyone from one to the other, Jesus is is mending things back together, right? This is what he's, This is what he's meant to do. And this is the This, if you think back on Israel's scriptures, this is the heart cry all the time, right, is God, we want you to come and dwell with us. Like this is Isaiah and Ezekiel over and over and over and over. This is why you have a tabernacle and a temple, right? We want a space where we can meet with God again. And why is the temple and the tabernacle all decorated with trees and everything? It's meant to look like the Garden of Eden, right? It's meant to remind you of when things were well and now we can come into God's presence and try and live this life again where we're our sin is atoned for and dealt with and all that sort of thing, right? And now Jesus comes to deal with that ultimately. And so he's bringing uh, heaven or the age to come or the kingdom to bear on on earth or on this age or this world. This is his announcement, right? This is his inauguration. And Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, when he reads the passage from Isaiah, right, which is about captives being freed and, and people being healed, This is what happens when Yahweh shows up. He sits down. What does he say? It's happening now, right? It's being fulfilled in me. And the people are like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You're not God, right? And he's like, well, just watch this. (laughs) That's kind of the rest of the Gospels, right? It's being fulfilled. And this is where later in Luke, Jesus says, you know, the kingdom's not sort of over here or over there. It's actually in your midst. It's growing in you as you follow me and things come back together again, right? So how does the story end, you might ask? Like what's the, where, where are we headed for? So you go to the next slide, there'll be a question mark It's meant to be across. That's okay. Is God and us dwelling together in a redeemed creation, right? This is Revelation twenty one twenty two, And so God brings these things back together. This is the consummation of creation. So what's the next slide, Dave? There it is again. So to pray, so there's the storyline of the Bible. This is Like that's the basic gist of what the Bible's about. Um, but when we pray, your kingdom come, it's about aligning our vision with God's vision right? To to bring this about, to kind of restore what's been broken and to come and to dwell with us and to renew and revive and to heal and to bring these things to bear on the world. Is that what is after this? Right. There we go. So again, like Rowan's birthday, we live in the already of five and the not yet of five, right? We already live the king uh, and his kingdom are coming. We're waiting for the return. There's signs all around us that there is evil and brokenness and things are not well. And yet at the same time, the king is here and the kingdom has come, right? We just read a testimony from Mitch this morning of the kingdom coming into his life, of God at work in his life, right? And so it it ends, we're in the in-between, but the consummation ends with that great cry, right? Behold, the dwelling place of God is with who? Humanity, right? And you get the idea of, of um, there's no temple in the new creation. Why? Because the whole creation has become the temple of God. And this amazing part where where John's measuring out a cube, right? And all of creation, all the city becomes the cube because the whole city's become the holy of holies, right? All of creations become flooded with God's presence. Is that true yet? No. But do we see glimpses of it? Yeah, for sure, right? So already and not yet. This is the kingdom of God. So um, has God's kingdom already come in Jesus? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Has it come and permeated every inch of God's creation? No. Right, just turn on the news. You'll be you made aware very quickly how oh, it's it's not. Um has God's kingdom come in your life? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> like, that's kind of the idea, right? <laughs> Is that you've been saved. <laughs> like that, that God's at work in your life. Um has has the kingdom come and permeated every area of your life and you're now just good to go. No, right? This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is, what, this is kind of the road of sanctification as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, right? We lay aside stuff and we take on Jesus. So it's already but not yet. And so we're praying for more and more of God's kingdom. When we pray this, we're praying for God's rule and God's life to take over more and more of his creation and his world, but also more and more of me. Like, Lord, your kingdom come in me I, I need to be mended, right? I'm not well. Um, the amazing thing is God invites us to pray this in. Like Jesus says, this is what you should be praying for, that God's kingdom will come, that this will be fulfilled. And so God, again, is partnering with us, who are just, we're not great partners at all, but partnering with us to bring his purposes to completion, which is incredibly faithful and generous and and good of him, <laughs> which is really great. What's the next slide, Dave? So then Jesus teaches, here's the, the part that Janice read for us, the mystery of the kingdom. And the parables reveal some really important things. And so there's a few, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but there's a few parables here that talk about the nature of the kingdom that is already here and yet not here in its fullness, right? So the parable of the, of the mustard seed and the leaven, this is verse 31. Uh, 31 to 33, And they're both kind of the same idea, right? The idea is the kingdom, um, very unlike what Israel imagined when the Messiah would come, they imagined like geopolitical revolution, right? It's going to be all different and God's going to come. It's all going to happen at once. Instead, Jesus says, well, actually, when God shows up, it won't be super noticeable. Um, It's going to start like a mustard seed. It's going to be the most insignificant people you can imagine, that are going to actually start a worldwide movement that's going to change the world. And where do you see this, right? In the disciples, right? So he picks 12 guys who don't get it all the time. They're pretty useless, right? Peter denies them at the end. And yet it's through these 12 guys, this mustard seed, that God's purposes and kingdom come into the world. I mean, here we are today, right? A result of the mustard seed that Jesus planted growing. Here it is in Dryden, right? We're not in Israel, so clearly something worked, right? Um, (laughs) The disciples are long gone, but here we are, right? And so God's goodness and grace is called to be kind of made manifest in the world. And that's why you get this great line. This is such a good line. It's the smallest of seeds, verse 32. But when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree. But then this, like this awesome part, right? So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So the kingdom of God, as it comes into fullness is meant to actually be life-giving and harboring and rejuvenating for people, right? Like birds make homes in branches. This is, I've got birds. I've got my little parish of birds, I call it, right? My bird feeder, my bird feeder. And they come and it's beautiful. And then I forget and they're mad at me. And then I refill them, right? and they come with their seeds and they, they're coming and they love, they're in the branches, right? This is part of them thriving, and so the kingdom of God, as the church lives out God's vision until Christ comes again and brings the kingdom in its fullness, is to be a people. We're called to be people who, like a tree with branches that birds can come and rest in, we're to be people who are uh, extending God's love and grace and compassion in our communities. Right? Like, that's the, whole, that's the whole idea. That's what this is about. It can start very small. Like, the work here in Dryden, the Christian witness here in Dryden started Small. I can't even like I know a little bit about the history of this this congregation, Um, but even in Dryden as a whole would have started small, a few people, right? And yet here we are today. There's a few hundred of us probably all around Dryden that are worshiping this morning, and millions more around the world, right? And this has grown from the small mustard seed. So it's amazing. So the kingdom of God is mysterious in that it starts really small, and God seems totally okay with it starting very small and seemingly insignificant and yet growing over time. And that's what the leaven in the lump is. So usually leaven, leaven's depicted as like a bad thing often in the parables, but here it's actually this positive thing, right? The kingdom of heaven's like a little bit of leaven that, uh, do you guys know what I mean by leaven? Like doing, we, yeah, we're talking about yeast. Okay, okay, good. Some of you are like, yes, bake the bread. Let's do it. So you've got your dough, and you add your yeast, and the yeast does what? Rise. And you only need how much? Just a little bit. And the idea is it goes through the whole lump, right? It doesn't just rise like a little blob off on the side. It's meant to, if you do it right, it's meant to make the whole thing rise. And so this is the same idea here. The kingdom of heaven, God has... has sown the leaven placed the leaven god has worked the leaven god has worked the leaven into the dough of his world and it is slowly going to permeate everything eventually this is at the end revelation 21:22 it's the whole world's redeemed and renewed right and what's the what's the other cry every knee will bow and tongue confess that jesus christ is lord right that's the leaven worked through everywhere and so again, this starts very small, and we see areas in our lives where the leaven has for sure not been worked in, right? Like, oh man, this whole situation's falling apart. This marriage is falling apart. My family's falling apart. Lord, I, want the, I need the leaven of your kingdom worked into my life, right? I need you to come and permeate my life uh, here and now. It won't come in its fullness until Christ returns, but it's begun here and now we can see that already at work in our lives. So sometimes the kingdom is slow and it has small beginnings and it's not at all how we would do it, right? We would want big and dramatic and and no one can deny that this is God, right? And God's like, "Oh, no, I'm going to do it this way." Like, God, come on. Um, but eventually, even though it's unnoticeable in its start, God's kingdom is going to permeate all of creation. And bring life. And like, right? He who began a good work will what? Complete it, right? So this resonates all through the Bible. So what about the, what's the second one? The parable of the wheat and the weeds. No, sorry, Dave, go back to the wheat and the weeds. I skipped. I went back 24 to 30. Basically, this one, which is very intense. And if this makes you uncomfortable, then, um, well, there it is, right? <laughs> I'm not going to change it. Um, but maybe you need to sit with it and, and think about it. Um, Basically, we're being told evil will be allowed to exist alongside good for a season, right? Not forever. And at the end, when Christ returns and the fullness of his kingdom comes, he is going to sort things out. And so there's a call for us. Are you living in sync with God or not? Like, it's meant to be pretty pointed and convicting. Like, where are you? When he returns, are you with the weeds or are you with the wheat? And we have the freedom and the choice to live that now or not. To choose to live in sync with Jesus and to repent and believe the gospel or not. And so the kingdom has eternal consequences, right? This is life and death kind of stuff. And evil, this this is good news, is evil ultimately will be rooted out, right? And so all the injustices and oppressions that we see in our world today and that we can contribute in our own relationships will eventually be made right. So as much as it's kind of terrifying, it's also really encouraging. Like, we want people brought to justice, right? Like, we want the bad stuff to get dealt with, don't we? I do. (laughs) When I see stuff, I'm like, that's awful. Uh, God's going to come and deal with that. It may not be in the time that I would like, um, but that's because of his grace. Like, he's making room that none should perish, that all would come to repentance, and all would come to faith, right? Um, So that's what that one's about. And then what about the last chunk? I'm going to wrap it up with this, and then we're going we're gonna to head to the table eventually. But the hidden treasure and the pearl. It says, the kingdom of heavens like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. I always love this. It's like he's, like, what, digging? He's got, like, a metal detector out? I don't know. He just randomly finds the treasure, and then it's like, this is so good, no one else better find It's like the guy, it's like when you're in a grocery store and you find something in the wrong section, right? Like, someone's hidden something somewhere else, and they're going to come back for it. You've never seen this? Have you ever done this, right? You're like, you're like, this is the best thing of cheese, and I'm hiding it like behind the other not-so-good one, right? And I'm coming back for you. Just stay there. Sarah and I, were, the other day, we were in Walmart, and we found a block of cheese in the frozen fruit, like packages of, like, in the ice, in the box. It was really funny. So Sarah's like, do you want frozen cheese? It's just sort of sitting there, right? So this guy finds the thing, and then he hides it, and, uh, and then he goes and he sells everything he has and buys the field. As a kid, this always was really weird to me. Like, how can it be that good? Won't he need some of the other stuff he sold? Really? He sells everything? Um, and then the second one is slightly different, right? In the first one, the guy just finds the kingdom without looking for it. Like he stumbles upon it, right? It just sort of, he's like, well, oh my goodness. And he realizes the value and he acts on it. But in the second one, this is uh, verse forty-five. is about a merchant who's searching for fine pearls. So this person's actively searching for God in the kingdom, right? He's looking for it, and when he finds the one pearl of great value, same thing. He went and sold everything he had and bought it. That is, I just find that's so hard. It's the idea is that um, the kingdom of God, being in relationship with Jesus, living in sync with God's. Plans and purposes for his world is worth more than anything else we could set our lives around, right? That's what, it, that's what it's saying. Um, but this is convicting because as much as I know Jesus and I'm fairly aware of what God is doing in our world, um, are there things in my life that I feel are more important than what God is doing? And like, is that, I think that's made obvious by how I spend my time. And so is there, are there things in my life that I spend way too much time doing that is not living in sync with what God would have for me? Right? Like, have I really sold everything to pursue him? Or is there stuff I'd like to hang on to? But well, the idea is pretty clear. Like, more than any other treasure or experience or life goal is the amazing gift of forgiveness and freedom in God. That's what that's about. And that's what Jesus is calling us to live into when we talk about and pray your kingdom come, to live into this, right? We're called to actively seek it out. And so the parables are, they reveal something really kind of mysterious about the kingdom, right? It doesn't look like the powers of our world very well. It starts very small. It's subversive, um, but it's really life-giving, and that God and his kingdom are worth seeking with our whole our whole lives, so has the kingdom already come? yeah, it's come through Jesus at the cross uh, as God's rule and reign put an end to evil and death, right um, but has the has the kingdom come in its fullness? not. <laughs> Not in me. <laughs> Maybe you guys are awesome. I don't know. I've got some stuff to work out. Like, I don't know about you, right? Um, it will come into its fullness when Christ returns, and we live currently in the in-between time. Um, I'm not going to make this. Yeah, I will. I'm sorry. Side. So this is a side note. One of the biggest dangers that can happen in churches is when we either do one of two things. We overemphasize the nowness of the kingdom, and so if God doesn't heal or doesn't do stuff that we think he should do, we make up bad reasons and hurt people. That can happen. The other bad thing that can happen is when we, we make it sound like the kingdom hasn't come at all. And so it's all just terrible. We're all just going to die. God's spirit is not at work in our lives at all. And basically it's all hopeless. Do you see that, like how that could really get messed up? And so uh, the biblical call is to hold sort of this tension of, God has come that the kingdom has come it's here it's alive in me and yet right um, there's still brokenness in the world and so we're waiting for Christ to return and um, and so there's moments where we celebrate things like Mitch's surgery where he's come through and it's awesome Um, but next week two weeks from now someone could pass away right we're not guaranteed that every person who's ever sick right now will just be ultimately healed we see glimpses of that, but we don't have that guarantee. Um, but we will see the guarantee of that when the kingdom comes in its fullness. And so that's why the, there's such a hope in the Bible of not instant healing right now always, but in the resurrection. And so we pray, Lord, we pray for people to be healed, right? That's all through the Bible. We pray for people to heal, to be healed, we pray for God's kingdom to come, and yet we pray uh, we all face death, right? So unless the Lord returns within my lifetime, I'm going to die at some point. Shocker. I know. Guess what? So are you, right? It's just, it's just a downer this morning. You're gonna, I'm sorry. Unless God comes, you're going to die. Um, but his coming, uh, the promise and the hope of the resurrection is he will make you new. And so death, is, death has been defeated, and so I remember um, when I was in school, someone said, well, God didn't heal this person. So how can I, you know, how can we, like, it was messing him up, right? Like, how, how do I do that? If God's kingdoms come, and you know, pray for healing and he didn't get healed. And um, one of my teachers said, well, he is healed. And the guy was like, yeah, but nobody died. And, and my teacher was saying, yeah, but he's a Christian, which means he's in the presence of the Lord. And when the resurrection comes, he will be given his new resurrection body and dwell in new creation with God and with the saints. He's, he will be, like, the prayer for healing is answered in that. Right? And so a lot of our struggles as Christians, and particularly as Pentecostals, is learning to balance the already and not yet. Um, and that's just a, something we have to navigate together. But in the meantime, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here on earth, Lord, we look for you to transform and to change us. And as we pray that, we're, we're joining our hearts to God's and we're declaring our loyalty to him. Um, Lord, we're for your kingdom, not my kingdom. <laughs> Thank you very much, right? God, there's things I'd really like you to do, um, but this is a submitting thing. Lord, I want to submit to you and your kingdom, your plans and purposes in my life. I have some good ideas and I would like to suggest them to you, Jesus, but ultimately <laughs> I need to submit to you, right? And so and we're also proclaiming his goodness we're saying our hope is sure, and it's in Christ that we're not uh, yeah there's brokenness in the world, but the Bible has told us about how God is dealing with that and so the last sort of questions I wanted to leave with you before we pray and then we come to the table there we go kingdom in your life today so these are the these are the important questions to really ask as we as we pray in your kingdom come um, is to Reflect on your own life and ask, is Jesus' kingdom alive in you? <laughs> is, there, is there areas in your life that you need to open to God, open your heart and life to God and pray for him to come and mend some things, right? Um, the other thing, though, is as we're sort of mended together through salvation in Jesus and our forgiveness and, and salvation and all of that stuff, we're called to live out our original calling as humans, which is to image God's character. And so as we pray for the kingdom to come, we can also ask, all of us can ask this if you're a Christian, how is God calling you to image him, to live out his character at home or at work or at school or in your relationships as a as a mom, as a dad? What does that look like as grandparents? What does that look like as an employee? What does that, what does that look like, right? Um, as we pray for god to come for jesus to return for the kingdom to come we also are are praying for him to help us to live in sync to live in tune with what god's purposes are and one of the ways we do that are reminded of that is by coming back to this table and celebrating who jesus is and what he's done and letting letting him uh, reinvigor us for life and for mission and so uh, i'm going to pray we're going to come to the table uh, do you guys want to come up, worship team, and, and lead us in a song? And uh, yeah, let's, let's just pray before we head uh, to the Lord's table. Uh, Father, we thank you again for your great love for us. Lord, we thank you that you continue to walk with broken people, choose to love us broken people. And Lord, it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't sway you that we are full of our own bruises and brokenness. And Lord, I thank you that when we uh, gather as a church, we're not gathering as perfect people, but as, as people who recognize our sinfulness and how much we need you, Lord. And so, Father, as we come to this table, we just ask that you would uh, remind us that the, the ground of our lives, Lord, is really here at the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um. Lord, it's here that you inaugurate the kingdom It's here that you've broken the power of uh, the kingdom of this world of sin and death and evil and so lord we As we come to this table, it's a declaration of our loyalty That you're our king um, That we are living and praying for the return of your kingdom And celebrating uh, The moments lord where we see your kingdom at work in us and uh Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the down payment. You're the reminder that the kingdom is come and is coming. And we just pray, Father, that as we come to this table by your Spirit, you would be um, enlivening us, Lord, uh, renewing our hearts and minds to live for you, putting aside our own sin and, and growing in you, Holy Spirit. And so we just pray that you would bless this meal that we share together. As a, as a symbol and a sign of, of what you've done for us as we remember and celebrate and are nourished spiritually, Lord, by your body and your blood. We just ask this in your name. Amen. I'll ask the uh, communion service...